0: Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus, otherwise known as Word Vomit. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the award-winning novel Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Victorian horror novels of the Hotel series. I have a soon-to-be-released novel coming out in July called Pretty Ugly. And I am joined once again, as always, by my Vox Womas vixen, Alison Martine, author of the Bourbon Books and her cocktail and her signature <laughs> cocktail with her right now. We are thrilled to have with us today Cynthia Paleo, author of Children of Chicago, as well as Into the Forest and All the Way Through. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you for having me. Hello. hi, Hello. hello. Um, Can you tell our viewers and our listeners who are listening later on a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your new book, which is on its third printing, everybody, very exciting, of Children of Chicago?
1: So a little bit about me. I am a Chicago-based author and poet. I write very often in the horror space, but I like to say that I straddle genres. I write, um, I love genre books, so I am, I think, (laughs) uh, an experimental writer as well. I've written quite a few books um, right now. As of now, I I was trying to count. Um, So it's great that things have been, I've been steadily writing. I've written um, Santa Muerte, The Missing, which were my two first uh, YA horror novels. I wrote Poems of My Night, which was published with Raw Dog Screaming Press. Um, I've also written *Laturia*, which is my short story collection, which I'm trying to re-release. *Into the Forest* all the way through, which is a Bram Stoker-nominated uh, poetry collection, and then today I just discovered it was a—it's uh, an Elgin Award-nominated collection.
2: <gasps> Congratulations. Congratulations!
1: Thank you. Um, which is nice because *Poems of My Night* was also uh, an Elgin Award nominee, so they can sit together as uh, Elgin nominees. And then *Children of Chicago* is my. Um, Adult horror mystery debut. I mean, it's hard to pin, like, give a genre to it, but it is. Um, it's a genre bl- blend of mystery, horror, thriller, police procedural. So it is my adult debut. Um, it takes place in modern day Chicago, and it is an adaptation or a my own retelling of the Pied Piper fairy tale, where we follow Detective Lauren Medina as she investigates a string of murders, um, children killing children in the inner city of Chicago. And she starts seeing some very familiar graffiti that harkens back to the murder of her sister. And so she might know more about the Pied Piper than we think that she knows. And it's overall um, a commentary on fairy tales, and how horrible fairy tales were to children and to the real mother, and juxtaposing that or you know con- comparing that with um, modern day Chicago with the deaths of many children, the increase in violence, especially study because um, you know I've you can say crime is. Picked up, but I think it's more consistent even. So when I grew up um, in, the, I, I saw in the city, I live in inner city Chicago. So it's a commentary on inner city youth violence on fairy tales. I try to make the argument that Chicago is a very dark fairy tale city and a commentary on who you can trust um, mm-hmm. in terms of people in position of authority. Are they there to trust? Are they there to help you or something worse? <laughs>
0: Um, I just want to say Allison and I have, de- we devoured this book this week. So all week we were like messaging each other, like, which part are you at? Don't tell me because I might not be there yet. What page are you on? I'm on this page. Um, so we both finished it last night. So spent today just kind of uh, buddy chatting about the book and we loved it and when your agent, not your agent, your publicist pitched it to our show, they just said, it's a retelling of the Pied Piper fairy tale, except with crime. Yeah. I mean, they said it better than that. And I went, sold. Like, i that's what I want on our show. And I was talking about the book to somebody else recently. And they said, well, what genre is it? And I said, mm-hmm. um, it's crime. <laughs> it's fairy tales. It has a touch of horror and a history of Chicago. And, yes. But it's also written in like a lyrical poetic style yes (laughs) so which I love I'm like that checked off all my boxes right there I'm like crime yes fairy tale yes poetry yes like I wanted all of it (laughs) right and
1: it's funny because somebody asked me one time like what genre is it and I said yes
2: it's 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 all the genres this is always a good answer well, and I think you said earlier something about being like an experimental writer. And I think there's definitely elements of speculative fiction in here. And sometimes speculative is the catch-all for, I don't know what to call it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, um that's definitely like, a good conversation. Um, I mean, I went, so I have a MFA uh, from the School of the Art Institute um, in Chicago. And um, at the time when I was getting my MFA in writing, and I don't know what it's like now. This is... 10 years ago, but genre was like a dirty word. It was like, you don't, we don't ever bring it up. It's so we are writers and so high arts. And so there was a lot of shunning of genre, um, which that was heartbreaking for me, um, because I wanted to study genre and understand. And then I wound up being paired both of my graduate advisors. One was a playwright and one was a very experimental, um, writer who loved fairy tales. And I took a lot of courses. So in my MFA, my focus was on the traditional mystery, um, like historical, going back to Poe and learning how he created the detective and how that character is morphed over time and fairy tales. And so I took a lot of the experimental things that I've learned over the years and I've just been, I guess I've been applying that in my work. So I, I do write in the horror space, but I think, um, it's my stories aren't a traditional narrative where you're gonna start off and your character is gonna change and they're gonna be, <laughs> they're gonna
0: grow and yeah emotionally you know? propel themselves yeah it's gonna end
1: and everybody's gonna <laughs> hug and kiss and you're gonna go off <laughs> sunset and yep. it's like you know I think of the original like Cinderella if you I think the last line in the original Cinderella was and the crows pecked, pecked the sisters eyes and <laughs> I was, and was
2: like. That. That's not, like, who's it a happy ending for? Yeah, no, that's, that's, definitely like the, that's, <laughs> that's definitely, like, the Sondheim version versus the Disney version of things, where, yeah, no, people are going to have their toes chopped off and eyes pecked out. This is not right yeah. off into the sunset time, no.
1: And so it's ultimately a fairy tale, because um, when you think of the Grimm's fairy tales, there's so many that end pretty badly for badly. people. <laughs> yeah. And then it's also a Greek tragedy, um, mm-hmm. because if you the- you'll see that there's a connection to a greek character and so i wanted it to feel like a greek tragedy like holy shit <laughs> what the <laughs> hell and then you throw your book across the room and then you're like i'm not talking to cynthia ever again so that's the kind of writer i want people
0: <laughs> to be see i like that. that i respect that i think i'm a similar type of writer where people get to the end and they're like really mm-hmm. like you didn't even try to give them a happy ending and i'm like no, didn't, didn't even cross my mind. Like, I went to school for theater. So I'm a huge Greek, Greek, uh, tragedy. Shakespearean tragedy is like baked in my blood. So I don't know if I even would know how to write a happy ending. Yeah. And that can I'll be vague. It. Yeah, I know. I was handed <laughs> to Allison at the end. It's fixed, makes us
2: nice for the people at the end. Yeah. And I, no, I can't fix yours. I'm just saying that's how I can end my books. I'm just yours that, that's beyond saving <laughs> I don't, there's no happiness
1: and I understand how that could be challenging for some people and I and I the things that I tend to read aren't really um happy either and I I, I was trained I was originally a journalist so I was a journalist for a very long time so I worked as a journalist by night and I by day I worked in marketing and so I have a day job I work in research but um So that's where a lot of the historical and nonfiction aspects come into my writing. Like into the forest is all research. Um, that's all heavy research and children of Chicago. There's so much about the city and the purpose of that was to make the city a character as well. And, um, Lauren, um, She is led by nothing, no one other than herself and the city. Her commitment to the city as a person, that's who she's committed to. She's not committed to her husband and she's not committed to anybody else except to this city as a person.
2: Well, it's interesting that that you say that the city is a person because sometimes we read characters who make bad choices and then you go, oh, well, then they got what's coming to them. Chicago got what's coming to it as, as you lay it out, as far as its own dark history and where it is now. And I, I'd never seen the history laid out so beautifully, but tied into the narrative so well that you really went, okay, I see how we ended up here and why this place is the way it is.
1: And it's, it's such a sad history. And, um, you know, you can take it back to DuSable and, you know, he founded this little, you know, area. Well, I mean, there were people here. <laughs> there were people here that were like <laughs> and moved out mm-hmm. and, um, the Great Chicago Fire, Al Capone. I mean, we kind of joke about like we have, you know, mobster tours, but I'm like they're bullet holes <laughs> that you can still see in the facades of the like, buildings. And it's like we think it's cool um, that we had H.H. Holmes. And I'm like, he murdered like hundreds of women. <laughs> That's yeah. and so we romanticize the, them. But then what about our modern day
0: killer? Mm-hmm.
1: Would we rom would we go on a tour through a house where there was a family of seven recently murdered, which just happened recently, you know, maybe two, three years ago, um, in the city. And so I kind of want and that's also with Into the Forest, I make that argument, like uh, why is death should death be spectacle? And so, um that is the purpose. A lot of love. Chicago showing its. I mean, we've had serial killers. there's tons of serial killers here. John Wayne. You have a lot fine. of
0: serial killers. There's a, like a same. lot. And yeah. I'm from New England, and our history is like you know checkered and terrible with the Salem witch trials and like you know everything that New England is. But you, Chicago, you take the cake for I think <laughs> serial killers. The Midwest in general, I think. And no offense to anybody from the Midwest.
1: There's some. There's
0: something. Kind about- of breeds them.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's so Ed Gein, John Wayne Gacy, H.H. E. Holmes, Jeffrey Dahmer. There's something okay. like, well, I mean, the Ripper crew. Um, there's yeah. something to do that because we're such pleasant people. Um, yeah. But then, but then it's a strange thing because if you're a Chicagoan, you, you're not <laughs> like you're. Oh, like if I'm outside, I'm always wet, ready in a moment's notice that something can turn sideways. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. there's this. And I wanted to do that with Lauren. I wanted to show like we have this heightened set. Like I know I do. I grew up in the inner city. I live here. I you know I could sit here and look out my window and count the police cars that go by on, on any given night. And so I wanted to write this character that's very animalistic. That she's always she's a predator and she's a prey as well, or is she probably, You know. So I kind of wanted to play with that because there's a uh, there's some weird stuff that goes on in chicago
0: yeah yeah i i really i liked the the overlay of the history a lot i especially when you started comparing the like the landscape to haunted forests and castles the buildings it's like castles i really thought that was so beautifully done
1: thank you thank you I appreciate that yeah um that's to me, I mean, it's, I remember being a little girl and like getting on the train and you could see the buildings even from our, the neighborhoods and you look out and it's, it's, it feels like a fairy tale. And so you have this very beautiful side of Chicago, these glittering high rises and this gorgeous lake, but then you'll turn the news on and it's like, you know. 13 year old shot and killed and you're just like, wait, what? It's so, it's so hard to process the two. And so, you know, there's commentary that, you know, I've heard commentary where people are like, the child was not really like that. I'm like, well, what zip code do you live in? Do you live in the zip oh, code yeah. with the mansions or do you live in, you know, <laughs> here with us, you know, working class people. And I live in a very working class neighborhood. I'd say uh, 80 or 90% um, Hispanic. Um, our, we have a, you know, really, I think 30% are immigrants in my community. And so it's a very beautiful, diverse community, but it still has its challenges with poverty. Um, many areas of the city do, but then they're very, there are areas of the city that essentially feel like gated communities that are very wealthy, that don't have much of the issues that we have to deal with.
2: Well, and you even addressed that in your book as far as some of the characters having their families having moved to try to avoid some of this or change zip codes to get away from that earlier on in the book. And I just thought it was interesting that you're even comparing the dark side of Chicago, but it also has this rich literary history and you've got a litany in there of all the authors from there. I had no idea. I mean, Mo Willems of, of Elephant and Piggy fame are from Chicago. <laughs> I mean, that's the only one my kids will care about, but it was that was just the last in a long line. That I had no idea there were so many authors out of there. I don't know any other city. Okay, probably somewhere in New England where they've got such a high concentration of just these really talented literary folks. And I, and
1: I wanted to say that. I wanted to say you see it on the news and it's scary place, but I'm like, look at all these amazing people that have come. You know, Ray Bradbury wasn't in the city, but he was in the Chicagoland area, everybody knows Bradbury and Williams, and um, so. You know, Sandra Cisneros and the House of Mango Street. It's like all these, like this range of literary talent, art, and artists. And so, what is it about this city that it, it's so beautiful? It's so terrifying. But then we, and even the people, the regular people in the book, just the everyday people. You know, there was Nina Wilhelmina who invites Lauren in and have food. And I mean, that's what it's like out here. Like, they're, the regular people are so giving things. Um, and I wanted to show that, um, there, there are lovely people here and there are some mm-hmm. scary people
0: too. <laughs> it was <laughs> definitely a love letter to Chicago. Yeah. And the entire time I was reading it, I kept thinking, I want to go back to Chicago. I've only been there twice. And both of the times it was for wizard world Chicago. And I mainly <laughs> was just yeah. in a hotel room yeah. or in a comic convention yeah, or yeah. eating wow. and drinking but
1: that's what we do. (laughs) I mean, mean, I've traveled quite extensively and I'm, I'm partial to our food. It's a great eating town. If you like food, (laughs) like this is where you come, you know, we, we appreciate a good meal. You know we have our cold, you know, winters and drinking and it's like, um, I love it here. And I, like I said, I've traveled a lot and I just couldn't, fit in i think anywhere and maybe it's because of lauren like i have that edge where if i'm you know even when i'm on vacation people will say hi or good morning i'm like why (laughs) (laughs)
0: why
2: why why
1: yeah i'm very just (laughs) trusting. the city has done that to me and i don't think that can be undone um Mm -hmm. and again it's because of you know i grew up um Oh I have. I know people who are serving life for murder. I know people who have been murdered. I know kids who have been um, paralyzed from gang and gun violence. I mean, you know, I used to tutor kids at Cabrini Green. You know, you know Cabrini Green from Candyman. The the high right the the high rises that those are gone now. But I used to tutor kids there, and they were like the sweetest kids. And so. Um, I've seen the city change over the years. I mean, the 90s were rough. Like we think of Chicago today as a tough town. I'm like, yeah, the 80s and 90s were pretty tough. It was, I think it was like 750 murders, I think we had maybe when I was a senior in high school. Um, My high school started off with probably, my freshman year, I feel like we started off with like 1,800 or 1,900 students and 200 of us graduated. Um, Wow. It was, and so when I say it, it was a tough place to grow up, I'm not overreacting. Um, it could be different now. I mean, I'm 40 today, I'm not a teenager, but these are um, some of the things that I've seen over the years.
0: Well, I think you did a really great job of not, not glamorizing the dark side, but paying tribute to it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of maybe that darkness that Chicago has that ran through a lot of the characters in your book. That is some of the beauty of it too. It gives you um, a way of appreciating life when you see how ephemeral it can be. Yeah, because you know it, it can be gone in a in a moment. So it, it teaches you to to love it, even love the hard parts of it. Yeah, and I I saw part of that in Lauren, in your character Lauren. She, you know, she was tough as nails one minute, but like, great. Right. And I think what's important to remember about Lauren
1: is that she was a little girl at once whose mother went missing. And so what did that do to her psychologically? She wanted mm-hmm. the only thing she had, which was her father. She wanted the um, validation. I want my father to validate me. And so, you know, he gets married again because he's lonely, and as he should. And they have a child, him and his wife, and the attention goes elsewhere. And so there is this breakdown and, and a sense of how do you process somebody else coming into your home and you're still trying to process the loss of your mother who's been completely, to her, forgotten. And so what does that do? Like, do we fault children who make mistakes at that young age? Uh, you know, I mean, do we fix it? Like, And I, and I made this argument with somebody else um I pose this point when somebody else is like, when someone does something bad, it's, it's usually not like a quick turn. It's a progression. And so people like with Lauren, people on the outside kind of saw things not so right, but everybody turned a blind eye and then who pays and who suffers. And I think that's, what does that say about us as the spectator to this individual that's making bad decisions? Like, are we just as bad? And so I make that argument with Lauren, like she's dealing with a lot of things and she's still making a lot of mistakes and she's um, maybe her allegiance or her alliance to something is in the wrong place. Uh, she's never been repaired from that childhood trauma. So who's the bad person? And I, and I, and I, I really like doing that in fiction, just screwing with people because black,
0: it's not always black and white. Right. Um, and I think, think it's hard to get out of a cycle of mistakes, even in like real life, mm-hmm. you know, if, and I'm sure you saw this as a journalist. And when you were doing um, all of your extensive research, like it's hard to get out of, if you make a terrible mistake in your childhood, if you end up in a youth detention center, like getting out of that Right. becomes and almost impossible. Right.
1: And so there's um, the issue of trust. She can't trust anybody. There's the issue of, should we trust her? Like is she, yeah. what is she trying to help?
2: Um, well, and I was going to even say, you've got you've got her saddled then with someone who's constantly dredging this up and throwing it in her face and, I, I could barely tolerate reading him because he just made me so angry. And it yeah, wasn't even he, much of he was off him. base. <laughs> but it was it was more of just like I couldn't handle the fact that he was bringing this stuff up. And I would just be like, are you kidding me? This is none of your business. And if you have an issue, go talk to the commander. But if you bring it up again, I'm going to go complain because this is harassment. I mean, he's basically harassing her through the whole book. And whether he's right or wrong, it's kind of irrelevant to whether he's right or wrong. It's it's not his business to be harassing her about her past and her family history.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it's funny because I, I was just laughing because Van was um, uh, loosely based off of a police officer friend that I know of.
0: Oh. oh, no, I was like, I hate him. He's
1: funny because he is like that. Like, and when you, it's, I was talking to somebody else on a, another podcast that's, you know, a lot of, and I know a lot. Of, it's Chicago. There's a lot of cops here. Like, I know it's a cop town, but like, they can't turn it off and on. Like my cousins are great. I have cousins who are police officers and it's like, we're just at a family function. And it's just like, turn it off. Just turn it. You don't have to be, you know, that person. That is who they are. It's just, it bleeds through this persona and is very intimidating. And I remember one time I was at a, a, a an event or, or like a, it was a Christmas dinner or something. And they had invited one of their law enforcement friends. And I couldn't even talk to her for more than two minutes. And I asked, what does she do for a living? They're like, Oh, that's our interrogator. I was like, well, yes. Oh my God. And I can feel it. Like within, she was like this five foot two, 90 pound, but I, oh, I 90 I, pound. I felt, I'm not 90 pound. But I felt the, Oh my gosh, just her presence felt like a bear over me. And I was like, I felt like I was and I felt exactly that. I felt like I was being interrogated, just like, hi, how are you? What's <laughs> but
2: they can't Do you ever wonder me. if the reason she got invited to your party is because no one wanted her at theirs? <laughs> 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 you are no longer welcome to your own family's party. I know. Like you're a real <laughs> drag yeah, on friend.
0: Christmas. Yeah, so seriously. Like, yeah, find so some it, place like, else
1: to celebrate. And uh yeah, and so it's I mean, I wanted to, yeah, there, there, I did a, I did a lot of psychological things, it, so just so people know also I'm, I'm finishing my PhD in psychology and um, it's in business psychology, but it's still psychology. And so I, I do like to do these strange things with my characters as well. Like I said, to present questions of intent and just like motivation. And so I did that a lot with the children Um, That was kind
0: of. It was very hard to do, Um, but again, I would have read a whole book about those kids. Yeah, I'll be honest; they were like creepy gossip girl,
1: very strange children. Yeah, and so um, (laughs) I wanted to kind of show, like, well, when Lauren was young, she kind of screwed up. What would that look like today? And so I just, you know, children don't realize. What the long term consequences are of a death? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people don't realize what is the long term consequence of losing this one person. It will ripple across generations, and so um, they, they were very hard to write. I mean, the my favorite character I think is I mean, or one of the sweetest characters I think is Jordan. I think of him like him as a character. Like he's this great kid, and he is smart, and he doesn't. He knows there's something off, but he just wants to. He lost his friend. And so I just kind of wanted to show this is really sweet kid who's trying to do the right thing and what happens.
2: So. Yeah. 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 Well, and I even, loved him. Sorry. Oh, no, I, I did too. And I was just the idea of of death, not being permanent or not really even understanding the implications of death, especially to somebody young. I, I really saw that through some of the character, character interactions, including the idea of if somebody bothers me, The only answer is to have them killed. Like there's such a giant leap between, okay, this person, I don't really want them in my life. So, um, yeah, not have them removed, not have them move away, not have me win the lottery and do something amazing so that I don't have to have this person in my life anymore. It's like, no, they've got to be dead. And that was just, it was, it was so shocking to read, especially because when I was reading and I, I won't spoil anything, but certain interactions, it's like, this person's not malicious. This person doesn't wish other person harm. And yet they end up with basically a death wish on them by the other person who simply doesn't want to be bothered by them anymore. And I don't think I've ever read something like that, where it seems like something so minor escalates to something so major over
1: nothing. Right. And so that was really important. And that's, it sounds insane. And that was uh, when, we were, actually when we were pitching the book early on, we did get some, uh, I think one of the editors was like, that would never go this way. I was like, we have children that kill children for gym shoes yeah. in Chicago. We have, you know, we, we have people that carjack people, you know, and kill people for their, and so why do you have to kill someone? If you're going to carjack someone, why do you have to shoot them and then take the car? It's like so, so, and then there's also, you know, social media hasn't been the greatest thing for some situations. But there's been a lot of escalations here in the city where kids will bicker online, and then they'll see each other in the street, and they'll shoot one person uh, over just some words that were said. And it's like you shot and killed somebody because of just they insulted you. Or um, there was this really tragic case where this young man these two pretty girls were walking down the block and this young man teenager tried to flirt with one of them and she ignored him and he shot and killed her. Yeah. This happened here when she got, and I'm just like, so that was my, my way of talking about those cases where it's like, you don't have, it's like that's so permanent, but we, yeah. that happens here.
0: But you get, yeah. you know, you, whether it's the society or, you know, uh, a teenager's brain isn't fully capable yet of understanding all the ramifications, but when we're constantly bombarded and kids, especially growing up have been constantly bombarded with violence and video games. And I'm not going to be one of those people that blames those things, but it, I don't, I don't know. It's just weird. Like you see, you see, people coming back from the dead all the time in a video game or in a movie or in a TV show. And you just don't know who who you're dealing with and what they've had to deal with before they get imprinted with this material.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, I mean, it's tragic. We have, uh, like I said, it's, it's definitely a commentary on children killing children in the city. And it's like, they're so, you hear about these cases and it's like, they're so young. And what, what, well, how have we failed them that, you know, 14-year-old, 15-year-old, you know, teenagers turn to that? Um, what is going on? And so, um,
2: But I, th- I, know I think how- you did, though. I was just going to say, I think you did with each of the characters who were brought into this kind of lifestyle. We got just these glimpses of this is what got them there. All of these kids had their own traumas and none of them started from... I'm a happy person and I just don't like this guy. All of them had their own baggage, either from neglect or abandonment or loss that all of them, you you had so much empathy for them before you started to be fearful of them. And that was an interesting twist you did because often you usually have a character that you you like and then, okay, maybe you don't like, but having the empathy and I never lost the empathy, even as I was like, holy crap, what's this kid going to do? I don't like where this is going, but I still felt for them and still hurt for them.
1: Right. Um, yeah. And that's and that was similar to I kind of wanted to mirror like what would have been like with Lauren. She was a, she was one of these kids and she did love her mother and her mother just literally just, just like disappeared into thin air one day. And so, um, you know, like with Mo, you know, his father was uh, attacked at their family store. So you're, you're processing that almost losing your father. You're processing that you really like this girl, and you don't know if she likes you. Um, and so then you kind of get pulled into something that maybe is a little too out of what your expectation of it was. Um, you know, Evie, there's she's a on her own. She's literally she's like a kid that her her parents. You know, that's a whole conversation of her parents moved. Her, you know the. They work all day. They're working all day to pay and support her. You're not there, for
0: her. right? And, so she can have a better life, right? That they're not part of. <laughs> she that they're they're not there. She raises herself. A,
1: dinner's a, a cereal bar. Yeah. It's like and I know these. And I know these kids, and um, you know, I remember, I remember when I used to live um in our, my our previous house. Like, you know, even I would sit outside, like when I would see the gangs outside. Because um, they, they would literally shoot across the street. And so I would put my jacket on. My husband's like, where are, you, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to go talk to them. And I would just go sit on the, my front porch and just tell them, come sit with me. Like, you need someone to talk to. What is going on? You, What is, it's insane. And so, I mean, there were just, there were times where they just wanted somebody to sit with, to talk to them. And so, it's yeah. so just a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of questions that I posed about child abandonment, loneliness, violence. I mean, sometimes, sometimes though, I will admit that there is no explaining away a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now. So, is Lauren a product of her life or was this, this she was going to do whatever she was going to do? I mean, she is, um, she is. I think uh, exactly the type of character I wanted to talk about and express. And while there's this grief and sadness in her, there's this whole unapologetic, I don't care. Like she will as easily kill someone as she would save someone. And so there's definitely something
2: missing. (laughs) (laughs) Which is definitely scary when the character is a police officer and has that weapon and can therefore be in a position where she has done that and is like, yep, I did that. And there was never any processing for her or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's also pushing away like the one person who seems to be competent and caring oh. and involved in her life of, sorry, I'm making Jen cry. I love him too. Just, love it just, the, the love story. There's definitely a love story oh. going on here that you get glimpses of and then you see it grow from, oh, okay, she's divorced. Oh, well, okay. You know what? Maybe this isn't as cut and dry as we think. And He's this person who actually does care about her and she doesn't want have she doesn't want to have him with her at this point. And we were talking beforehand, going, well, was this was this because she worries that he'll be he'll be next, that he would end up as a casualty too.
1: Yes. To me, that's always been the unsaid that mm-hmm. my, my husband hated that I did that. My husband was like, why would she be with him? <laughs> and so he, she just you know, she, it was not written in the book, but she pushes him away and is so cold to him because she doesn't want him to be the next person, and so I believe that she loves him. Um,
0: but it's like uh, she I believed that, cool. agree. yeah, and <laughs> canon accepted. I <laughs> canon, they are, they are yeah. still very much in love. <laughs> it
1: would be great if it's there's some reality where they
0: <laughs> fix this painful thing that
1: she has carrying around with her, and I mean, but. Um, you know, and just to echo with, you know, Allison said, yes, it is terrifying that there is an officer that is that detached and walking around with a weapon. And so I kind of really wanted to say, this is scary. <laughs> this is really scary that there's this person that is so cold. Um,
2: well, and, and that gets, you were, you were telling us a little beforehand, we were asking, what are you working on now? because you are doing more in this like the larger universe but it will not be necessarily featuring exactly the same characters so we can can we hope maybe in the future can we have them possibly get back together if, if we if we write fan mail or something well i don't know like like with her with all the legal issues she's
1: she
0: has in front of her um we'll we'll, we'll see what's possible seven maybe.
2: books later seven Let's books
0: later, later. I'll be don't make us write fan fiction <laughs> I up to her past. Uh, um, we'll see. I
1: mean, I, I, I there's like a quick line as to what is happening to her um, in the next book. And the next book is um, again Chicago is like the main character. It's a different protagonist. Oh, you'll like. I, I will say this: the protagonist is married. They're very, very much in love. <laughs> with the protagonist and um, her husband. Um. So, I'll, but and then we. Do I say that? No, I would just say that. But there, there is a lot. Yeah, big, don't say anything else. No so there is the love. I'm giving people the the love. That there, a there. little bit of love. Like my husband, like was really like, I need her in love, and I need. And so it's a different character. They're completely madly in love. Like it's just like the grossest married couple that is completely in love.
2: Um, oh my gosh does your husband him. read romance by any chance <laughs> is that what he he's like where's my happily ever after
1: loves like fan he, he's not a horror person he loves fantasy he loves like romance films he's just like so gushy all the time and so um oh, he's that's
2: like so sweet. He's,
1: that is so cute i'm kind of lucky because he's very like just, he likes he likes and we both we both do it like i love like i'm a sucker for a great love story um But I write sad things, but I really wanted, I really wanted to write just a married couple that just like, uh, like love each other so much and there is no conflict and there is just like this perfect union and then they support one another. Uh, One of them is a detective um, investigating our next monsters. So, um, so that's what I will say. So it's a new monster, married couple. Uh, chicago and in a whole, chicago and there's a lot of history in the next book as well and a completely different line of or emphasis of chicago history so this kind of focused more on the building of the city and the people it made um like artistic folks but the next book's a little
0: it's i hope people like it so it's, i'm uh, sure people will so very quick before we end, do you have a favorite fairy tale?
1: I love Hansel and Gretel. Oh, I love Hansel and Gretel. I love the little boy, the little brother and the little sister and, you know, little sister like saving each other. It's, and I think it's, so this is another sad one, right? So you have the little boy and little girl who are abandoned by their parents. So sad. And there's one of them is a stepmother and they're wandering through the forest and they find you know the witch's house and the witch tries to eat them but they save i love that they save each other that like gives me so much joy so
0: that's my mm-hmm. cool. i love that i love that yeah. cynthia you've been fantastic thank, thank you for talking to us about your depressing twisted story <laughs> which i
1: love so much <laughs> the next one oh, also the next one would be very very sad too. sorry
2: Good. but they're in love but they're can in we love just at least take there's, there's like so i
1: think that's gonna be the theme of children of chicago was
2: trust who
1: can you trust and the theme of the next one is definitely like what you will do for love
0: oh love it love it so we cannot wait you'll have to come back when that comes out
2: and Again, oh. cra-
0: congratulations on the award nominations for Into the Woods and All the Way Through. That book knocked my socks off.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Uh,
0: not an easy read, cheers. but it's a like almost, <laughs> yes, cheers, yeah. cheers. Happy Cinco de Mayo.
1: Okay. There you go. We have our, our
0: cocktails. You have such a pretty glass there. I have my, my can. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Somebody had to buy me a pretty glass because I've been like drinking out of a juice glass my whole (sighs) life. And literally somebody that I know kept seeing me drinking out of like a juice glass on the show and they bought us um, very nice whiskey glasses. You were embarrassing them in public, Jen. I feel like they were like, you are a grown up now. (laughs) No jelly jar. No jelly jar. So thank you, Cynthia. Thank you, Allison. Next week, join us live at 6 p.m. on Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, where we will be uh, discussing, uh, talking with Nikki Chen and her debut novel. Um, thank you to everybody at the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you to our executive producer, Pam Stack, our producer, Roman Sorotin. And this has been a copywritten podcast by the Global Authors on the Air Network. And we will see you all next week. Waving. Waving.